As you all know, I born and raised, I'm a born and raised New Orleanian, and I still live in New Orleans, and now Hurricane Ida has hit. Okay, so why am I podcasting through a hurricane or with my <laughs> my youngest son, Ty? He, he's been saying lately, this feels like a natural disaster. <laughs> well, you know, he's a cat. He's he's my Capricorn, so he's very specific. I used to call him Sergeant Specific when he was younger. You notice the background that you hear. It's a little different this time, you know. Um, now the city has been affected by it a great deal, and it came. It actually hit on the anniversary of. Uh, Katrina, which I was actually, I evacuated, but I ended up displaced for a couple years because my daughter didn't have a school to go to. My job was gone. Um, just about everyone else that I knew that had any sort of job connections to even help me was gone as well. So and it was a lot worse than this, you know, a lot of bad stuff happened this time, you know, but um, it wasn't the same magnitude of the Katrina, everyone underwater kind of situation, you know. Um, it's been really sad. I've seen a lot of first time home buyers and people who built their homes, their homes get messed up, you know, and I know anyone from another city can say, oh, insurance can uh, replace this and replace that. But see, it's just something different about when people see something like that in the midst of the disaster, you know, um, it's tough and my heart goes out to them. Our area, the streets were flooded. Um, we would have had a substantial amount of damage if we would have been gone because, because of the lack of resources and, um, the power being out all over New Orleans, um, the lack of resources, they didn't, they're not allowing people to just come back into the city um, so easily. So people are stuck places for, which it's, it's looking like it's going to be a couple weeks, right? Because they first predicted that it would be um, uh, 30 days with no power. Because it just, they called it catastrophic, what happened with whatever tower or whatever it is, you know. And um, so the power's out. And since we stayed, um, we were able to catch all of the leaky windows that we had no clue were leaking. That actually, I'm sitting by a window right now, and I could see the way it's separated from the walls some. You know, so if we wouldn't have been here to throw towels or whatever we could find to sop up whatever was coming in and the wind was so high that it was blowing the doors and stuff like that and blowing water into the door. So like with a hurricane, if you've never been uh, through one. The water can the water goes with the wind almost so much that it just pushes like people's back doors were pushed open and stuff like that too and downstairs we have all wood flooring so um I was so grateful to be able to um catch it every time the towel got drenched to replace it. You know, because the form, the the dining room area, the floor would have had to be taken up, for sure, and um, some spots in the living room as well. And actually, because of the humidity, you you know, you're so used to in New Orleans dealing with so much hum- humidity that you forget that it's like droplets of water in the air. So with the house being without power. And stuff like that. I noticed one night, um, it was just, I, it was too hot for, this is before we got generators now. 
um, it was too hot for Chris and he just went downstairs because downstairs seemed to have more of a breeze. And um, when I went to check on him to make sure he wasn't sweating too much, the floor, the floor clicked. I heard in the middle of the night. And I realized, I said, oh my God, the humidity is affecting the floors, you know? Um, so like all of those little things, you know, and, um, I'm glad we were able to catch it because say the windows alone, we would have had mold and rotted parts with the wall, you know, that's just the way it would have been and the floor would have been messed up. But, um, it took us three days to get, um, generators and gas you know, um, and the reason why we didn't have generators before is because typically in our area, I guess, however, our side of the street is laid with the power grid. Um, uh, I, we never deal with power outages. Like it's very, very rare, you know, and we've been through another hurricane here in this particular house. So, um, uh, uh, Chris is putting gas in a generator. So, all of a sudden, you're going to hear a gust of wind, and that's the AC cutting on. Because we have window units upstairs, right? Well, one window unit. Well, now we have two. We just put another one upstairs in another bedroom. So now we can have the kids in one room and us in another room because we were all staying in one room. And because uh, that was the one with the AC. And the gas, for you would get in line for the gas, and it would be 4, 4 5 a.m., and by the time 12 o'clock hit, you still waiting, you know, we're waiting for gas tanks to arrive, and then, you know, finally, um, after waiting in all these lines, we just decided to start driving to Mississippi to get gas, and... Um, I'm telling you all of this stuff that's going on with the no power and all of that stuff. And then dealing with um, my parents, my mother is on an oxygen machine. So that's an issue. You don't want it to be warm. So you have to find things to make that whole process easy, you know. And, um, you know, every morning I always wake up with the sun, but... With the, with the air being off and the windows being open and this being a time like this, as a mother, you naturally wake up quick and you check on people throughout the night to make sure everyone's okay or to make sure no one's looting because or trying to loot near you because the first day um, after the storm, people started looting. You know, I mean, the first sunrise after the storm, people started looting. And... um I'm saying all of that, you know, to say that I that I'm I just woke up every morning with gratitude and they had this moment. I think it was Wednesday because it's a golden anniversary. I'm walking around so if the sound is going in and out, I'm sorry. Normally I record in the closet around a lot of clothes so the sound is perfect, but since it's so warm and I'm talking, I would just like to move. But anyway, so um, it was an anniversary, you know. Uh, so it was the exact day, you know, the hurricane hit on a Sunday back then, 16 years ago, and hit on a Sunday this time. So on Wednesday hit, let me tell you about people who went through Katrina. There's a lot of moments that it may seem like, damn, y'all aren't over this, y'all aren't over that. But it was serious trauma that New Orleanians are resilient. So they just kind of like, look, you know, like my mama always say, piss or get off the pot. You, you, you got you to gotta pick your, <laughs> pick your drawers up and run, you know, basically. You know, and um, which means you just, I guess, translation for another colloquialism. You roll with the punches. Right. So um, when Wednesday hit immediately, it 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 brought up more feelings that I I just I just did not 
expect to come. And it was like a quick rerun in my mind when I saw Dawn. And I realized that Wednesday, 16 years ago, I, we were in, we evacuated to, uh, it was the guy I was dating, Heaven, and a couple other couples and their kids. Someone had a vacant house in Texas, so that they were about to sell. So it was fine, had running water, they were trying to show it, but you know, they let us evacuate there and we didn't have a TV. So we were chilling, grilling, cooking, eating, all kind of stuff. And then someone got a TV. I don't know how they got a hold of one. And when they cut on the TV and we saw the streets filled with water, we were like, shit, we can't go back. Like we knew we couldn't go back. When they showed the areas, I was like, that's every area I know that I operate in. Well, so that Wednesday, we all got together and we said, okay, so Thursday, we're going to have to drive back in the city, you know, and we heard there wasn't letting people in the city, but, you know, someone with us was pretty street savvy as far as like geographic, like knowing how to get around things. And they said, we go through Homer, the state troopers ain't going to be able to stop us or whatever. And if they do, we got West Bank IDs. You know, so it ain't going to matter. Like, somebody got a West Bank ID, you know, because it was a West Bank and an East Bank. But the East Bank, you couldn't drive into. They didn't want you to. But the West Bank, you know, they might let you if you say you got an address there. But anyway, so we get back into the city and we pass around. I pass around Heaven School, see it tore up. Pass around Mama House. I see some issues and stuff like that, and I knew the East and stuff like that. Everywhere I operated on the East Bank was out of was underwater. So, um, we got stuff and stuff like that. I got all of the paperwork, and um, all the paperwork meaning like heavens, birth certificates, shot records, like all that kind of stuff. Because I was like, I'm gonna have to enroll her in school. And I looked at that and I thought, wait, I've never done that before. Because keep in mind, I was a teenage parent, so my mother did a lot of those things. You know, I didn't do them, you know. And um, so we're on our way back to Houston and I get a phone call. And it's the guy I'm dating. I pick up the phone and I said, hello? And he said, oh, well... You know, I'm I'm about to go to Atlanta, so blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but we supposed to go to Houston. Keep in mind, we had planned, and I had heaven stationed at a house we was going to stay at in Houston, a friend of the family. You know, um, so they were waiting for me, him, and heaven to be there for a while. And so I, so I, um, I... Said, well, where are you going? I'm, I'm, I'm going to Atlanta. And I'm gonna stay there, you know, and do this and do that. And it was a whole bunch of like, in my head, I see a bunch of violin players, right? And all I knew is that I was just being left, in a sense. Like I, I knew that, okay, this person was older than me, so they knew certain things I didn't. I relied on that, you know. I was always a person that relied on a form of wisdom. You know, even if it was part bullshit back then, you know, when I was a kid, but well, a young adult, 20, early 20s. And um, so we split in part ways and I'll never forget what it looked like when that person drove the opposite direction. And now that this is my first time rehearsing that look because I looked and I saw to the left they went left and I had to keep straight we went on different paths in so many ways and that was like the beginning of the much needed end of our relationship you know and um you know I was thinking about that Wednesday you know and that Thursday, and now that I reach another Wednesday and Thursday within the same timeline as in date-wise, you know, I realize that I'm in a whole nother spot. I'm in a whole nother spot. I'm not with someone who would leave me and separate to do and frolic about 
and to live another life, right? I'm with someone who's working with me and we're taking shifts doing stuff. And, you know, he's his number one thing is to make all of this stuff work. And how do we keep this safe? And how do we do this? And the yin and yang of our relationship is completely different. It's the typical heathen aristocrat, you know, meaning I'm more of the heathen-esque and he's definitely more aristocratic, you know. And um, I've been forced throughout this time to be in extreme gratitude by comparison. And it is the one time that comparison can work for you when you compare the past with a now. And then God walked me through a bunch of different things after I digested those moments. God walked me through the moments when I was pregnant at 16. God walked me through the moments where I was in and out of or when I was in that relationship because that relationship back then was very very abusive verbally and emotionally you know God showed me that I that that God was there the entire time God was guiding me and because I would listen to that soft whisper that's how I got out of those situations that's how I knew to say no I don't want to be together anymore and then for him to go on his tyrant rant and scream in my face the way he's spitting on me while he's screaming. And it was that much of a really big deal. But God was with me that entire time. And then even down to, you know, when I was evacuated, you know, I was it was. Heaven and I, we slept on a couch together. And because, you know, I had been molested and and stuff like that, I was always very nervous with her being alone or anything like that, right? So even though no one acted, you know, who knows what intuition or what thoughts I had with the other people that were around in that time, But even when she went to the bathroom, I was there. I went and sat in the bathroom. When she took a shower, I went and sat in the bathroom, you know? And then the only time we were separate is when we enrolled her, when I enrolled her in school. And FYI, Hurricane Katrina happened Sunday. Wednesday, we decided to go to the city. Thursday, we were back in the city and then drove back to Houston. And then Friday morning, top of the morning, I enrolled her into a school that I would months later end up working at because I was (laughs) that kind of person that I really didn't want to be separate. So I found my way into working at the school, you know, and, um, I was a kindergarten aide there and Heflin, it was Heflin elementary. It was the nicest staff. I mean, I learned so much even from the staff development on how to handle children Uh, in a fashion to keep them emotionally intelligent and, you know, vulnerable. And it was so much I learned from that experience with that one school. And, um, you know, so that was the only time we were separated. And I would immediately, that Friday when I put her in school, when I left, I immediately went to uh, homeless shelters to sign up. Because just in case stuff fell through at this house, something pop off, let me, you know, get in this homeless shelter and get an ID so I can have a place to quickly run to. Now, mind you, before this, I was a complete ragamuffin and either my boyfriend was making decisions for me in a sense or my mama. So for me to become this person with nobody around me, because my family were, my mother and them were in Arkansas. And um, I, you know... So she was in school, and now this free time was used for finding resources, signing up for things, standing in lines, trying to get whatever assistance I could get, right? You know, all of this being done in an 88 Camry that we call the Blue Beast that I bought a couple days before Katrina for $800, 
interesting. For $800, that's how much I bought um, that car for. And that car, that 88 Camry, got me from New, well, from New Orleans, because I went back home to get it, and that was untouched. I went back home to get that car, drove it to Houston, and drove all around Houston, no matter. I, I drove anywhere in that car, and I made it, you know? But comparison really served me a really healthy plate of gratitude when I compared the situation that I was in. And then when I was aware enough and alert outside of my own situation, outside of my, because right now I'm sweating. Because, you know, you can't run a generator nonstop. You got to stop it. Let it rest, you know, do whatever. Of course, after this, we'll have the generator that's, that's, we'll get electricity wired to the house so it could power the entire house and not just a few things, you know. But, you know, we at where we at. That's it. <laughs> that's it. But anyway, so I, whenever I say that's it, I think about that Kanye song, Ultralight Beam, when that girl is praying. And she said, we want the Lord and that's it. But anyway, so, you know, the comparison did really serve me well. And then really counting up things and rehearsing, you know, the goodness of God and how I survive situations. And, you know, you could say, oh, man, you was just without AC. Man, you, you, you have no AC and fighting for resources, meaning like, People are people were fighting at gas stations and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like you trying to dodge stuff like that. You know, people become opportunists, not the good kind during this time. You know, you walking through a parking lot and they see you walking, ma'am, let ma'am, ma'am. No, 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 sir. We don't need to talk. You know, all of those things that you don't understand. Understand the survival mode that people go into they watching you people look at you because people when people feel desperate when people feel whatever you don't know what people going through you know you don't know even down to some looters why would they loot so fat maybe maybe they feel like they mama maybe they're not in a fortunate position where they mama could be put around a window unit or whatever or find distilled water or oxygen machine. And what if they just so pissed about the hand that they feel that they have that they just want to crush something? And you can't, let me tell you something. Maybe you have had the perfect life to look at things and say, I would never do that. Well, that ain't, that ain't them. And you ain't, because they got some things, I'm sure, that we could look at your, I could look at your life and say, girl, I would never do that. Girl, why the hell would I get mad and break a dish in my house? My house, my dish that I, I handpick the dishes and I'm going to break them because I'm mad. Girl, I wish I would. That don't even make sense to me. Why am I going to break something I paid for and picked out? You see, like, everybody got their own thing, you know? You know, some people could look at me and say, why would I hold all of that anger in and let it hurt my body? Why wouldn't I let someone know how I feel and not hold it in? See, everybody got their own plight. But, you know, this has been a very interesting time. And through doing all of this, I already had taken a break from social media because I was writing for the book and Stuff like that. And, you know, I'm standing here looking at my towels on a, on a clothesline right now because the washing machine hooked up. But I ain't want to put the dryer on to tax the generator like that. It ain't that serious. I could, I could line dry stuff and line drying clothes for a bunch of kids. Like, we have a significant size family, you know? You know, it's a significant size family and when I was doing all of this stuff and you know our house you know our house is always clean you know we joke when it's family meeting time when you know for spring cleaning they say oh we about to clean a clean house huh you know yeah you know 
But in the midst of this, I have been doing other things. And this is another part. So first, I gave you the comparison part. When comparison and my memory really served me well. I didn't allow my memory to beat me up. I allowed my memory and comparison to show me, Toya, baby, this is tough. But you've been through deeper shit than this. You hear me? And they got bigger things that's probably going to happen in life. I still got to lose my parents. I still got to lose siblings. There's a whole bunch of things that, that life has that I don't even know is coming. But I'm going to be able to handle it all. You see what I'm saying? Like that, that comparison served me well. And now when we get down to what I did to handle everything in the house. So you see what I said about the cleaning and stuff like that. Like less, less. Okay, we going, you know. We always talk about adapt and pivot, you know. Um, Chris is a Marine, and I just, I'm like that too. Like, I'm quick to adapt to stuff. Like, what's up? What's about to happen? What's next? But that comes from, you know, my parents. You know, they would probably look at themselves and say, oh, we weren't this and we weren't that. I said, man, y'all some damn good parents because y'all really taught, like, whether I knew it or not, I only said yes and connected my life with Chris for a reason. One reason being, he had this thing about him that he was quick to working with me with something. Meaning like, we went on one date and then after that, everything was kids. What we about to do? What we about to Everything was a, a we thing, you know? And what I know now that I didn't really subconsciously in the front of, I mean, in the front of my mind, I didn't know that then, but subconsciously, I know that's why I gravitated toward him even more is because of the teamwork quality. My parents have that. They could fight like cats and dogs, but if them, if I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> if them two are together, you best believe that something going to get fixed. I just wrote that in one of the parts of my book, I said, when I saw them standing and looking at that window before we got our first house, because we used to always be in apartments and not so good neighborhoods. And, you know, when I saw that one day, they believed that this guy tried to break into the house. And when they were looking at the glass, I knew something was about to change. And a couple, however long later, we ended up, you know, them buying their first house. And I wrote because I knew that when them two were standing there looking with their hands on their hips, I knew something about to change. Something about to get fixed, bought, something about to get hurt, or either whatever it is. <laughs> you know, they're going to defend us. They're going to do something when they're together, you know. And, um, and, he, and, and, and he had that, and that's, that's what we did this whole time, you know. And when it came down to making people comfortable, you know, he was really quick to get on board with certain things. Like when I brought up the propane stove and whatever, and we know propane ain't the most, ain't, well, it ain't the safest thing to operate within a closed entity. But, you know, I'm a professional. He also is like an outdoors expert. So, you know, that's that. You know, and honestly, it was those things, them, even though we had to walk around and I have a upstairs, the rooms have lights, but the hallways don't. So the house just feels big and black at night. Like there's no nothing. And you got to realize if there's no power out, uh, uh, there's no power in the city, there's no street lights. So stuff that would chime through the window is not chiming through at all. So for them to be walking around the house when they have string lights in their room at night for night lights and stuff like that, and for them to be walking around the house depending on these little flashlights, you know, certain things need to give these kids normalcy so they won't get stir crazy, you know? And so they won't feel like it's super traumatic. So hot food is one of those things, you know, even with them going to sleep at night, they had so much fun sleeping in our room, even with no AC. And now that we have AC, <laughs> now that we now that we have AC, they they they're like, oh, the rest of the house hot, <laughs> you know, you know, because now they have something to compare it to. But 
um, you know, giving them the hot food and, you know, we got the generator. When I say just as Bina, <laughs> Bina and them ran out of underwear and I was like, perfect. And how could they run out of underwear in days? Easy. Because I, I'm not going to lie. My mama said this is annoying, but I give them a couple baths a day if we're home, you know, like, cause if they get sweaty, they go outside, they come inside. They're like, man, I'm hot. Let's take a bath. I want to get clean. I want to watch Netflix. I want to cuddle. Like, that's the kind of kids they are, you know? So, you know, everybody takes multiple baths. Like I took one, two, maybe two hours ago. And, you know, I had to go lay, I forgot I had to go put towels out to dry. And then Chris had to let the generator rest. And guess what? I'm sweating again. So I'm going to take a bath again as soon as the AC get cut back on, the room cool off, you know? So we ran out of all of that stuff. And then we had to start line drying everything because those clean clothes and those, you know, not having to say, you know, we caught it right at the time we was going to have to say, hey, you know, we're going to have to ration out doing this and doing that, you know, uh, because we don't have any more towels and whatever. And honestly, this house, I do like 11, maybe 12 loads a week washing clothes for the kids, you know, all of us. I mean, bathrooms three times eight. Each bathroom has eight towels. So if everyone's taking baths like that, then, you know, you get... It gets to be a lot. Plus, then we got dog towels, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? You know, so that cleaning up, all of those things gave us a form of normalcy. Even though things are misplaced, different, or like Tato says, this feels like a natural disaster. <laughs> you know, um, you know, those things, you could stomach them well. When you adapt and then hunt for normalcy, whatever normalcy is, right? Whatever it is for you. If normalcy is you getting in a garden doing something, you better drink a lot of water and get your tail out there and do some gardening, you know? You know, if normalcy is you doing like reading, like I've been making sure I read this book that um, I got every night or every morning. That's another piece of normalcy, those things. So when you have twists and turns in life and you have to deal with all of this unpredictability and everybody isn't going through a hurricane either, right? But other people are going through other emotional hurricanes in their life. That's why I'm being so transparent to tell you about all these physical things that are happening to me and some emotional things that have happened to me, you know, and then for you to flip it and be like, well, that's happening to me emotionally and I ain't going through no hurricane <laughs> you know my partner left me this way that way you see maybe you can relate to that story of me in that relationship 16 years ago you know maybe you're here how I, I gained the courage to leave you know if they wouldn't have went to Atlanta I probably wouldn't have been under the pouring of that manipulation to stay you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, if I would have been under the pouring of that manipulation consistently, I would have probably still been stuck under that. But the fact that that person, you know, time, you know, that's why when you get a divorce, people want you to be separated for a while. Time will tell you if you won't be there, if you won't stay gone, you know. And um, maybe that'll give you the energy to stop this thing or that thing or this relationship or whatever it is, you know. And then gratitude. So you have your memory and good comparison. And then you have the adapting and then forcing a form of normalcy. Even when we were living um, with that lady, uh, with the friend of the family, when we were living with her before we got the FEMA vouchers and started you know, I found an apartment, got it furnished, got vouchers for furniture, all that kind of stuff, right? Before all that, I would pick her up and I would take her maybe to go eat food in the car somewhere, you know? We eat fast food in the car because we liked fast food, junk food, whatever. 
So we'd find those little things to do. And I remember when <clears throat> I was pregnant with Emmanuel to show you how normal that was that we did. In that time, I found normalcy. I was pregnant with Emmanuel and I was on house arrest. Yes, I was. Anyway, so you only have a certain time to get from work to home, the places you told the police, your officer that you, you go. So I would hurry up and start to raise track and get certain things. And we would sit and watch TV and snack. Because that was our thing. Sitting, snacking, eating. That was normalcy. And th- throughout that time, you know, I before that happened, I had been evicted. I, we was living in my mama house. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening. But we would still have those moments of normalcy. So I hunted for normalcy in those moments. And that's what you have to do, you know. And then you you have all of this happening. And you're going through these moments, you know, and then all of a sudden you have more energy. You have more energy because you've really properly assessed the damages. Like energy keeps sending messages saying now that we've assessed the damages, we can give you a deadline of when, you know, it would possibly the energy will be back on. Which they're saying for us is next Wednesday. What is today? Friday. So for Wednesday, we might have power. You know, um, or around that time, whatever it is, I'm grateful. And, um, you know, that the way they had to properly assess the damage, they had to wait until the, ooh, child, I ain't preaching. I ain't preaching. But they had to wait until the light came after the storm and then assess those damages Child, I know somebody that threw a piece of paper across the room or dropped their phone and said, this lady here. That's, that's what has to happen. When a storm happens, you have to wait for light. Light, hope, revelation, encouragement, whatever it comes. Whenever the light comes, you stop. You wait for that light and you assess the damages and you compare it to what happened before. And then you employ gratitude. And then now throughout this new time of adaption, you know what you need to do? You have to find normalcy. Create a form of normalcy. If you're living on somebody's couch, do something you used to like to do when you were alone. If you hop in from place to place and your animal's uncomfortable, your kid's upset, you know, people are giving you attitudes, people, you know, because some of the people in the hotels are making some of the New Orleans people find new places. They don't want you to stay there seven consecutive days or whatever it is. All that hopping around, find something normal, whether it be you, you listening to meditation music, whether it be... You burning something, meaning like sage or palo santo or whatever it is that you need, you know. Maybe go and take a walk at Home Depot. I'm talking to hurricane people now. Maybe if you need to go take a walk at a Home Depot or whatever city you're in, you know, and just look around and look at the plants. If that makes you feel good, window shopping, whatever it is, you know. You have to, Titi, I'm recording a podcast. Go ahead and go. Go ahead and go. You can come back after. So, you know, you you pivot, you count it all up, you assess the damages, and then, you know, you find normalcy through the healing process, you know. You find normalcy. And when you need to cry, cry. And when you feel aggravated, express it. Don't hold it in. Don't even hurt your body like that. You think I haven't cried? I think that was maybe the first day I had to, when I had to, when we were sitting, when I was sitting in line for the generators. Well, I was sitting in line. I actually went to Home Depot to go get a mock bucket one of the school, the school industrial ones, so I could wring out my clothes because I was going to hand wash them, you know, and then I get in there and they got a pallet of generators and I'm like, I told the man, look, give me two. He said, two, two, put two on there, you know, and then the AC popped out. 
you know. How I got the AC, I was walking around the store. This another lesson right here, baby. I was walking around the store and um, I saw the AC on a pallet, the ACs. And I said, let me get one of those. And he said, well, they have to be put in first and whatever. And I'm like, I worked in retail. I know if you putting them out on display, they already put in. But maybe he was holding one, something for somebody else. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't like the way I look. I don't know. So I walk off for a second. And I'm like, nah, no. I'm getting that AC. <laughs> And I turned around and I went back and another guy was there and he was talking to somebody else. And maybe he knew him and he was like, look, if you want one of these, you could take them. And I spoke up. I, I could take one. OK, give me one. And then the other lady came and she said, no, ma'am, you can't take this from right here. I said, OK. And then he, and then I started messing with the plastic because he told me I could take one. And I started messing with the plastic and he walked up with his box cutter and sliced it and said, here, take it. Which one you want? All right. You see, that's sometimes the violent take it by force. Now, I ain't loot no police, but, you know, I knew that they, you know, when you work in retail long enough, you know what employees are, what employees that you work with, you know? The ones who mad about having a job, the ones who hiding stuff for their cousins or whatever it is, like, or those who just mad they at work and they feel like they should be able to be at home, not thinking about having gratitude for having a job, but, you know, okay. You know, and being in AC <laughs> when all New Orleans is out of power. That's the first thing I thought about. I thought, man, y'all get to go to work and have AC? Shucks. You know? So the violence take it by force sometimes. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to know. And I couldn't take a no. I couldn't see my babies in that heat no more. You know, I see my husband. Like, I, it takes a lot for me to sweat profusely. And he sweats quickly. You know, both of my kids, my, my two, well, no, all three of my, all three of them, they're hot boxes. You know, they all sweat a lot. And I just didn't, I just didn't want them to be in that. And not even thinking about myself, because I'm like, I've been in apartments with just no energy because I couldn't afford to pay the bill, you know? So, <laughs> It wasn't that I was afraid of heat, you know, but it was what I wanted for them that made me not take a no. Like, I'm not going to take this no. That's another lesson. Sometimes you can't take a no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to get a generator today. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to get an AC today. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to complete my goals. You see how I'm switching it? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to find someone who's going to hire me for this. I'm going to find someone who's going to lend me, you know, or invest in me for this. I'm going to find someone because I'm not accepting no. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to get the best out of this life because I'm going to heal. So if this is uncomfortable, I'm going to sit in it until I learn everything that I never reach it again. I had a moment like that when I was pregnant with Emmanuel. I was so, that was another uh, very, uh, it was just verbally abusive, that relationship. It was another one that I got myself into. And um, I was just on the phone crying and like, and I hung with the phone and I just started screaming and I was on the floor when I was pregnant and I'm just like, Look at me, I'm big, you know, I got this, <laughs> I got pregnant, and I got this house anklet on, and I'm going through all this in this relationship, and I made all these decisions, now I'm going to have two baby daddies, you know, <laughs> it was all these things I was going through, and in my mind, well, no, with my mouth, I said it, because I told this guy, I will never be here again. And I didn't. And the next person I dated was my husband because I had healed so much so quickly because I decided to really learn those lessons and hold on to them for their life. Like they were my life. They were they, like my life vest almost, those lessons. So, you know, I wanted to share with you during this time. Um, I just, I just... I wanted you to get this from me. And I hope that even if you get to re-listen to this, because I said a lot, 
you know, in any of my episodes, I always hope that people re-listen to them and then jot things down, you know, so bullet points. Because there's a lot to digest. And if you got to listen to 10 minutes or 3 minutes and then stop and say, like, damn, I need to have a sila moment. Like, pause and think, you know. You know, that you write these things down, you know. And if you're just getting a pen right now, I'll tell you the bullet points that, that, I, that I hit and that you can write little uh, tidbits. God, I wish I, maybe that'll be in the future of. Uh, a book with a workbook that people can, you know, heal through. But, you know, um, the top was, you know, comparison, the good kind of comparison and memories and then gratitude. And then you search for the you adapt and then you create your own normalcy. And. You know, after you do that, you assess the damages, all of that kind of stuff. And then you start to really elevate towards your ending moments that, you know, that's going to really put you on this path. You can put on one of the flashlights, babe. One of the lights. They probably got one in the bathroom, maybe on the counter. You know, that's my youngest son, Ty. He always makes his way to come by me. But, um... You know, I, I, I hope that these messages find you well and that these revelations spark something. And in the midst of me looking at my towels drying outside and, you know, this is totally opposite from the life I live. Though I've been some places, you know, I've grown from those places. You feel me? So, yeah, I know how to, hand, you know, hand wash clothes and do this and do that, you know. And cook on a propane, <laughs> whatever, to watch my family eat hot chicken and whatever. Like, yeah, I know how to do it. But I had grown so far from that, that this was a good joke, you know. This was a, this was a good joke. And it's been a lot of stuff. And, you know, like that day I said, when I came home and I just sat by the window to try to feel the breeze and think and cry and how hard this is. And my oldest, she's 22, um, and she's about to graduate in December. I'm happy about that. But um, she was outside putting clothes on the line, and she said, man, it's so much more to having a family than to just having money. Like, you got to have energy. You got to have wherewithal. You got to have mental, you know, the the capacity to be able to put yourself on the side to really help them or how to think, you know, like how bad, you know, this is the second morning we woke up with AC and we wanted to rest so bad, you know, Chris and I got up and I made sausage and eggs and I could see in his face he wanted to rest and I wanted to rest too. But then he realized we got one more day of gas left. Well, I'm going to wait till tomorrow to do this. And I was like, nah, if we really want to be prepared, you're going to go today while we still got gas for tomorrow and then go get gas. So now he went, him and heaven went to Mississippi, got enough gas, got enough gas to last to next Tuesday. And by then more gas stations will be open because they were all out of power. That's why people were waiting for hours and hours and hours, you know, and all day. So... You know, now we have enough gas until then. And by then, we'll be able to just walk right up to a gas tank by then. Because people have so much power, you know. But um, I hope that this will encourage you. And you see how you hear those crickets and those outside sounds? Some days, let me tell you, some days I have, and this is beyond way before hurricane time. I've had days so rough that I just gotta hurry up and open the window and wash the trees. You wanna know why? Because I have to remind myself that life is moving outside of this moment. So I have to immediately look at nature to see nature happening. Like I'm looking at the pink sky and I'm seeing that that pink and blue melody that's happening in the sky is letting me know that the sun is setting. <laughs> if the sun sets, the sun has to rise, right? 
You see how you get outside of a moment when things hurt and things are feeling away, you know? So I hope that through me having to <laughs> be super sweaty and uncomfortable and, you know, fighting for resources and all a type of just shit you never expect to deal with once you make all of the choices to make your life comfortable, you know? Like, we make choices to make our lives comfortable whether we know it or not. We pay bills so we could have cold air, you know? I bought a, you know, I got a Roomba <laughs> so I don't have to be a Nazi about the floors. You see what I'm saying? Because, like, if they get something on the floors, I'm like, hey, 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 I should be able to walk around my own house barefoot and my feet not be dirty. What's going on? You know? So, like, all of those decisions, you make good decisions all the time in order to make your life comfortable. And when you make good decisions, but those things, those results and things that you normally pay for has been ripped away from you, it's hard sometimes. Well, all the time. I ain't gonna lie. But gratitude been keeping me, you know? Gratitude been keeping me and releasing stuff out when it comes. I'm not holding no feeling in. I'm not whatever. If I need to say it, I'm not holding it in, you know. And like we tell our kids, you know, I was telling Ty about something he was doing. I said, you got to you got to start reading the room to pay attention when it's a serious time and you need to keep still and stay out of people's way. You see what I'm saying? Like you got to teach people how to, you got to teach kids how to do that because he like... <sighs> In a black household, you taught that. You're, you're taught that. You're taught, hey, 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 people fussing. Go sit down. Go mind your business. Go do something, you know? But that, you think those things are just colloquialisms and ways we handle our kids as black people. But in reality, that's why, you know, we respond to situations sometimes. We know, okay, we joking then, but now we real serious. What's up? What's going on? You need help? You know? And one last thing, when I mentioned the yin and yang with Chris, you know, <sighs> yin and yang, I'm sorry, with Chris, I'm a New Orleans. I be chopping and screwing words all kinds of ways, huh? But there's this thing that, you know, one day I was with him when he was trying to get gas and it was so long, y'all. It was so much rain. It was so much whatever. And throughout this time, people kind of could have a doggy dog kind of situation in their eyes, you know? So with me being like that, you know, when Chris said, we sitting in a line and a line wrapped so long, it's from the building to, it's blocks away. Had to be close to 50 to 100 cars in one portion of the line. Because you know that, you know, people who want to skip lines, they create other lines. So that's a whole nother story. But... When he was outside the car, he went walking and he was talking to random people in the cars. And I was getting angry because I was thinking, stop talking to people. Now is not the time to be nice. Stop talking to people. Just get away from people and just let's get in line and whatever. Right. Because in my mind, I'm thinking I don't want nobody to get froggy and leap my way because I don't think I want to do nothing. To, I, look, I've been in jail a couple of times. I won't be in jail with the air off. That's what I don't want, you know. And, um, so he's walking and I, I see him doing this stuff and he's walking and then it starts storming and he's still walking and standing even down to where he just randomly standing on the corner. I'm like, why is he randomly standing with his hands in his pockets? Why is he helping the police officer? Why is he moving cones now? I'm like, you are not a Marine right now, sir. You are my husband, <laughs> you know, come back and don't meet nobody crazy that's going to try to do something crazy to you or something, you know? Not like he can't defend himself, but, you know, in this time, like, uh, look, I'm black, I'm a black woman, and I got dark, darker skin, I got kinky hair, you know, I got tattoos, so, you know, I know people can look at me and view away, so sometimes... I get in survival mode real quick in certain situations, you know, and just some stuff I experienced through life, you know, and when he got back to the car, I saw him when it was storming, he was running with his shoes off. 
because he had on uh, flip-flops because we were supposed to be just going to run and get gas, you know. And he stops in the same car that I almost got in an accident with because I had to catch myself. I was so angry that she was trying to cut me in a line after me waiting for hours that I revved my car up, but I realized she wasn't stopping. And at that point, I had to tell myself, Toya, she don't have nothing to lose. You have something to lose. Just wait. Your family not going to die if they sleep one more night in heat because they don't have gas, you know? So he's walking. That same person ends up in a line again. They end up in front of us again from jumping. But anyway, um, he stopped and he give them whatever. He talking to them about whatever and walk back to the car. And he's soaking wet at this point. And he get back in the car. He said, well, I paid it forward. And I was like, what? Now, you know, I'm a big reaper that's so in person. I be about helping somebody, you know? And normally, he's the reserved one where he's not outgoing. He's very quiet. If you saw me with him, he might not even say nothing to you. That's just the way he is. And, um, you know, he said that. And in that moment, I realized that, man, it was needed for him to be like that. Because you know what he told me? He said, you see, Toya, information is the most valuable thing in a situation like this. We all in despair. People don't have people don't have energy. People food going bad. People don't have this. They don't have that. You know, whatever. People generators breaking. Whatever it is. Like right now, we all in these lines. There's hundreds and hundreds of people. This for like one gas station. Hundreds. You know, because everybody closed. You know? And he said information is so valuable. And, you know, after that, we never really sat in line past a certain time because somebody would always tell us something or we'll find out something or we'll get another way or we'll get a phone call and say, hey, we about to go to Mississippi, get gas, you know, whatever, you know. And so I get to Lowe's and I'm trying to get this other fuel stuff that's at Lowe's and, um, and, I get, I fill a card up. We, we, we found out that this fuel oil combination uh, that they only use for like chainsaws, right? We found out that it works in, in a generator too. It really does. It just, you lose about two hours of the burning time, meaning like if it's eight hours, then it's going to be like six hours. But this could replace gas. You know, and even if you mix them, you'll still be fine. Now, you know, we found that out and it actually worked, you know. So I was going by that in case we failed at getting gas again. So I'm waiting in line for everything. And, um, you know, even in the line, I had attitude. <laughs> I had that, that sternness of survival mode on me that obviously I had to have being in a new city by myself when I was back in Katrina, you know. Um, not being in that place. And I just had this, please don't come to me. Cause if so, I'm, you're not going to get nothing for free. You're going to, you're going to go, you're going to leave with a fight, you know? And, um, this lady asked something about when Lowe's open. Cause we was out there for like about two hours. And cause we went out there early, obviously to try to beat the line, but because of the storm, you know, things weren't opening as early. And um, I told her, it opens, I'm, I said, it opens at 9 o'clock. And she looked at me, it was an older woman, she went, <sighs> like I was lying, you know, like, anyway. And then she asked, she proceeds to ask a man behind me, because obviously the man, if he's a man, he's got to know way better than me. And she, he gives the same answer. And I look at her and I move my mask and I say, what I'm a volunteer alive for? And she just looked at me. <laughs> And she was like, I didn't. And then she just stopped, you know, and I, I heard on the inside, I saw Chris's face. And I said, Toya, I know you may be in survival mode, but you're not 16 years ago alone in a city and you don't know nobody. And the person who you thought would protect you is not going to protect you and you're not around your family. No, you're in a different situation, baby. You can act differently. Act accordingly. I get in the stove. I'm piling the basket up. I'm talking like they're looking at me, and I'm 5'1". I'm a little woman, you know? And I'm pushing all this stuff in this basket, and I'm barely able to walk with it. That's how fat, That's how hard I'm pushing this basket stacked up with this fuel all combination. And this guy walked up to me, 
And he said to this, this guy, he said, well, what you doing with all that? And I said, I stopped and I didn't want to tell him because I was about to turn my head like I didn't hear him. And I stopped and I said, I found out that this works in generators and my sister used it and her house is cool and everything's fine. She went back behind it with gas and everything's good. And he said, what? And he just started helping me put more on a basket and he ain't asked nothing for me, you know? you know dudes will sometimes help you and then be like hey let me holler at you let me holler at you you know that's from Dave Chappelle but anyway um so I get outside I get outside and no before I left outside I employed Chris's nature again when I saw this other guy and he was asking me about that and I told him and he said what and he said well guess what I'm gonna get some of that too but I'm going to, you know, give me a way I can um, contact you. It was actually a guy I went to high school with. He said, give me a way I can contact you, and I'll send you uh, another gas station I know of that can get gas easily. Bet. You see how information getting traded, and that kindness is paying off, and I don't have to be in the past version of me within this same time frame. You see what I'm saying? I don't have to be that person anymore. I could adapt. And I get outside, and this stuff is so heavy. It's unreal. So I'm packing the car up, and I'm packing the car up, and uh, this guy walked past, and he said, said, baby, you need help? And I said, no, I don't need no help. And I kept putting the stuff in the car. And the other guy, who the first guy who saw me and who helped me pack my basket was the same one who got out of his car when he realized I was next to him, and he said, here, I'm going to hand it to you. You go ahead and do it. You see, I told my son this. I said, look, there's two types of men. The man who asks you if you want help, and then there's a man who's going to give you help because he's not looking for a thank you. He's not looking for a baby, give me your number. Let me talk to you sometime. He ain't looking for nothing. He just wants to be genuine. You want to be the genuine man who helps without being asked and doesn't require a thank you. Though thank yous are nice. But he doesn't require it because, see, he understands that you just should be kind because you are human. You're a good human, you know. And he started putting the stuff in the car and stacking it up. And afterwards, you know, he got in his car and I heard a click. And I turned around when he was trying to start it up. I said, you need to jump. And he said, no, I'm just waiting for the starter to catch. I stopped and I held my hand out and I prayed over his car. Seconds later, the car started up, and then I did the little praying motion, and I, you know, waved by, and he said thank you, and then that was that. You see what I'm saying? You know, like, you see how me employing what I saw that I didn't have, and I didn't down myself that, Toya, you, you should be a little bit more softer during these times. No, because you got me in a situation that feel too familiar, and I feel like, don't come close, because... If I gotta if I gotta do something, I'ma do something. Come on, keep moving. Don't ask me, don't come too close to ask me for no money right now. We in the parking lot, we all sweating and fighting. Stop. You know? I'm not in that place no more. You know? And um sometimes that's just that's just what we gotta do. You know what I'm saying? And um I love the sound of a click and talk. I mean, a click and clock, that's, that's the sound that, that, because my clock in my room is battery driven. I said, I love the sound of a, of a, a ticking clock because it just reminds me that I got a minute that somebody was grabbing for. I still got a minute when somebody's about to die. I still got a minute. I still got a second, you know? So now I'm coming to a close. That's this is the top of the revelations that I've gotten so far within days of Hurricane Ida and um, my process of, you know, being here and, you know, riding the storm out. But um, I'm going to come back again with another episode once the AC cuts on. So I mean, once the, the energy gets cut on and things go back to normal so I can unload another session of revelations and I pray you got something, you know, 
I, I pray this message finds you well and that you get a chance to apply it and it helps you with your life. See you next time. If this podcast has helped you in any way and you want to donate to this podcast, you can donate through Vimeo, Toya, Dash, Bodhi, or Cash App, Dollar Sign, Toya, Bodhi, T-O-Y-A, B-O-U-D-Y. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to share it with a friend. See you next time. Thank you.